Good morning, His people. Welcome to church again. And it's so uh, wonderful to be with you. But I am so delighted that we are able to gather again. Yes, I trust you heard our president's announcement that uh, churches are allowed to gather again. And so we will be doing so next Sunday. We'll be gathering and meeting in person in our wonderful church building at number 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville in Peter Maritzburg. And uh, we want to just invite all of you to come and join us. Uh, yes, we, ha- we will follow all the COVID protocols. Uh, but I just also want to assure you, for those of you who are not able to make it, that we will um, uh, still pre-record the message. I've made the commitment that I will, I will pre-record the message. We will upload it. So on Sunday morning... I will preach live at church, but you can also listen to the pre-recorded message um, on YouTube as usual. We'll send out the links, etc. And yes, we will record the live message and hopefully upload that. But we, do, we thought, no, let's pre-record so that we are sure we've got a good quality recording uploaded and ready for those of you who love to have church on Sunday mornings. So we look forward to seeing those of you who can make it at church next Sunday morning. So this morning, I'm speaking to you about the serenity prayer. Now, I have known the serenity prayer for, never, for many years, and I'm sure many of you also know the serenity prayer. But I am not sure many of you know it as the serenity prayer with the title of the serenity prayer. And what is the serenity prayer? Let's put it up on the screen, and I'm going to read it and This is how the serenity prayer goes. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. And wisdom to know the difference. And I just want to unpack this and speak into this. And and my prayer is that we would really get the depth of, of what this prayer is speaking into. And, and I, I hope you appreciate that. I always love to dig and, and look into the background of things and the history of things. And, and, and just um, uh, so I've done that for us this Sunday again. And the Serenity Prayer was written by this pastor. His name is Reinhold Niebuhr. And uh, he wrote this prayer in 1932. And who was Pastor Reinhold? His, his parents actually came to America uh, from Germany. They were German-speaking, and his dad was actually a pastor of a German-speaking church. And Reinhold also became a pastor. And he took over a small congregation of about 66 German-speaking congregation uh, near uh, Detroit, in Detroit, which was, as you know, in America, known as Motor City. All the big motor companies are there. But why am I mentioning this? This was a working class uh, area. These were working folks that were in his church. And Reynolds became known as, literally he's known as one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century. But he always had a heart for working class people. And his theology was 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 hence rooted in a practical theology that people could live in their daily lives. And I just um just love the story of of of, of this this man and 
He actually pastored his church through the First World War, and he, he eventually um, was a theologian and a professor at some of the top universities in America, at Yale University, etc. And former U.S. President Barack Obama actually uh, credits Reinhold Niebuhr as one of the significant uh, influence in his life. Um, uh, former pre- the former president read some of his books, and, 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 and Reinhardt had a significant in- influence on, that, uh, on the former president's thinking and his approach to his leadership assignment. And so I just, I just love the story behind the prayer, and particularly the man that uh, God used to write this prayer. This prayer is used across the world in many um, programs that are especially trying to help people break free of addictions, people who get into various accountability groups, etc. So it's a very well-known prayer. And the, it, it's used because of the profound truth that is, is contained in it. So let's just look at it and unpack it a little bit more. First thing I want to say about this prayer is I've underlined the word change. And the word change occurs in, in the first two parts of this prayer. And, and this prayer is really a prayer that I believe we need to embrace, particularly in the season we find ourselves in where there is so much change. You know, many people speak about the new normal. And, and, and things have changed. They say that we have moved on in, in our use of technology by about 10 years through the lockdowns that we've experienced in the last year or more. And so things have changed so much. But the reality is that we all adapt and respond to change in such different ways. We have different backgrounds, different personalities, different gifts, strengths, and weaknesses. And this all affects how we respond to change. And um, we had a leaders meeting this week. And we spent the first bit, it was about the first 15 minutes, where, where we were just going around the Zoom room and we were sharing about how we adapt and how we cope with change. And I, I brought it up because, I must say, at the end of 2020, I didn't see that we would be back in on online church, that we couldn't gather again for a whole another month or more. And, and even now, being able to gather again, I wasn't sure when it would happen. I thought maybe we'd be online for much longer. And I've been surprised at how it's actually unsettled me. And, and so hence, we went around the room with our leaders and we discussed. And I was so encouraged. I was so encouraged by the maturity and, and just the wisdom with the things that our leaders were sharing about, about dealing with change and coping with change. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if you want to pray with somebody about just processing change, we've got some amazing leaders in our church who would give you incredible wisdom and insight and really be able to help you and so coming out of that I just felt I wanted to minister into this and when I when Jen and I were just really chatting and 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 saying Lord what what do you want to minister to your people to his people this week we felt there was so much grace there was so much just virtue on that time of really processing change that we felt let's minister into this and i want to put this quote up it says life is about change 
Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's beautiful. But most of the time, it's both. Most of the time, it's both. Sometimes painful, sometimes beautiful. But life is about change. And, and if you just uh, think about the Bible, and I was just thinking about, I was saying, Lord, what, what particular story can I pull out from Scripture for you to minister to your people in this area? And I was so struck as I was just thinking across the length and breadth of Scripture, how much change is recorded in Scripture. If you think of our, the father of our faith, Abraham, being called from, from his home city in, in modern-day Iraq all the way to the Promised Land, massive change that he was called to. If you just think of the changes that David encountered, and just pick a leader and just think about the, 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 the huge changes that these various people in Scripture had to, had to go through and lead people through. And then, of course, you think about Jesus. Think about the massive change Jesus encountered coming from heaven to this earth. And, and, and remember, Jesus came to bring change. His, 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 the Great Commission is go and make disciples of nations. Help nations to follow me and obey me. That is massive worldwide change. It's, it's revolutionary, the amount of change and then remember, Jesus told us to pray, pray that, that heaven would come onto earth. Huge change. Um, the, very, the very act of, of coming to Christ is, is when we surrender our lives, is known, the theological term is justification. When we are justified, and it's, it's just as if we haven't, haven't sinned, that, that moment when we, when we surrender our lives to Christ and, and ask His forgiveness, our sins, the Bible says, are cleansed as far as the east is from the west. Huge change. But the process of transformation, of becoming more like Jesus, theologians call that sanctification, the process of being set apart and becoming more like Jesus is huge change. As Christians, we should be embracing change. We should, we should rejoice at change because the Lord is constantly working in our lives and on our lives. But the reality is that we respond differently to change. And, and I, I was just speaking to our leaders also, and I was just commenting on the fact that I've noticed that as the years have rolled by, and now I'm in my fifth decade on this planet that I don't respond to change as I, like I did when I was in my, in my, let's say, my second or third decade on this planet. And, and the other thing that I've just noticed is how my wife and I respond differently to change. Two people um, that, that have gone through very similar life experiences, huge life changes, and we've responded differently. Sometimes I've adapted to change much quicker in certain circumstances. But in other circumstances, Jenny's adapted much better. And, and so this whole, this whole concept of change is not an exact science. The reality is change is messy. But the end result, I want to submit to you, if we, if we, if we in, go through the process of change with God, I want to submit to you that he, he makes it beautiful, even though it may be painful. And, and different levels of change we go through, different levels of pain.
But I want to submit to you, God can make it beautiful. So, so just let's look at this whole, this whole concept of change. And so I, I remember hearing this years ago, that the only constant thing in life is change. And I remember when I hear, heard that, I, 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 was, I was maybe a, a teenager, and it was very unsettling. I remember when I heard that, I was like, phew, that's unsettling, because what, is this, what does this look like? How do you cope with this your whole life through, just, just experiencing so much change? And, 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 and at some point I heard this, that the only thing that doesn't change is God. And that has always just been such a rock for me. You know, and I, and I get this picture of, of, of this world and, and, and life being like us being at sea. And, and kind of, you know, you, sometimes you feel like you're just adrift, being taken along by the currents. But, but just imagine that, that you see a rock and you are able to get onto a rock. The, the, the contrast be between being adrift at sea and being on the rock is just is just so different and scripture refers to god as the rock and i'll put up there the only constant in life is change except god his nature his character his purposes and his word never change and i take such courage from that and my prayer one of my prayers has been lord how do i minister into this and one of the realities that I, I'm trusting that, that the Holy Spirit will just burn deeply into our hearts and souls is that God does not change. He's a rock. He's solid. He's constant. Um, the theological word is he's immutable. He's unchanging. He's immutable. He is constant. Any aspect, any revelation, every understanding you have of God's nature or character, whether it's his love, his faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, his, his power, His strength, any understanding you have, that's constant. It will not change. Your understanding of that will only grow in depth and, and height and breadth. But what you know of God that is true, that is biblical, that will not change. And His Word will never change. And we, I want to I look at some scriptures just to unpack this. I'm just sort of laying a foundation here. But... I want to go on to say that God is one of the biggest agents of change. However, He's not the only agent of change. The reality is the Great Commission, make disciples of nations. Folks, that's massive change that God is calling the church to bring about in the planet. And God is behind that. The Holy Spirit has been given to empower us to be witnesses from, uh, from Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the the, the, the outer parts of the earth to all nations there's a motion there's a movement there's an action there's a call of god for us to go to bring the kingdom to preach the gospel to cause people to come to christ and follow christ that's huge change so god is a change agent god causes change but important that he's not the only agent of change folks you and i are also agents of change god wants to use you and me to bring his kingdom into the sphere, into the metron that he's got for you and me. We are agents of change. The reality is, I want to say that th it's not just people and God. The reality is, there are, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, and, and, and 
the reality is that there are also demonic forces at work in the earth today that are also endeavoring to be bring change and that we know is not good change we 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 definitely acknowledge that and i'm saying this for the important this important point some people want to want to blame all change particularly the bad stuff want to blame it all on god and folks when we acknowledge that god is in the source of all change particularly some of some of there's some there's some some not nice stuff let me just put it nice and 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 i just don't think it is it is it is honest and truthful to 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 put the blame on god for stuff that he's not responsible for and so and so i'm i'm not going to unpack this i know it's a minefield of theological debate in there but i'm just putting that truth out there that God is one of the biggest agents of change however he's not the only agent of change and i want to put these last two points that we get good change and bad change and i really been thinking about this and and i was just particularly thinking about things that cause change in our personal lives and there are there are decisions i want to submit to you that any decision that we make there are some small decisions that that really don't make make a big difference i mean they make small differences the decisions all have consequences but some are small you know whether or not you're going to brush your teeth in the morning there will be consequences it may not be earth shattering but it will and if you need to go to the dentist you'll know it may feel earth shattering but there are other decisions that we make in our lives for example the the most important decision that every one of us need to contemplate is the decision whether or not you're going to surrender your life to Christ whether you are going to be, um, be born again and 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 follow Christ the most important decision that is good change but we can also make other changes that that have consequences for example when we harden our hearts and 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 resist the unction and the leading of the holy spirit that's not good stuff But I want to take it a step further and I was just so aware of as I was just praying and saying Lord lead me how do you want me to unpack this and that is when we make not just as a decision but a decision becomes a vow I will never dot 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 and particularly if it is not a good decision and I was just thinking and let me share a personal example um I remember a time where I had just overcommitted myself and and part of that overcommitment was uh I'd offered a lift to somebody to to some some place and and unfortunately because of my overcommitment and and just yeah I I was running a bit late and this person was not impressed that I was running late and and there was a good chance that they would be late in the end it it, it wasn't wasn't as as dire as they had thought but anyway they let me have it about this and it was really hard but i remember this this wrestle inside of me with a vow and i'm using the word vow it's more than a decision that i will never give this person another lift again and i could have easily but i i realized because i know that it's not clever to make vows and i and i was like no don't make that vow but it was a wrestle inside of me because i wanted to just say that's it 
I'm never going to offer a lift to this person again because it was just, it was a tense situation. I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't. But there are so many places and spaces, folks, that we make vows, and the, that, that is, that's not good change. You see, a vow, for example, say somebody, <laughs> say a male does something to you and you and you make a vow about males or a female does something to you and you say i'm never going to fill in the dot females whatever or or as we have so often you know somebody with a different skin color to you does something and you make this vow that about people with that skin color whatever it is folks those those are significant don't underestimate what happens in your heart when we do that it's not wise to make vows. Yes, praise God, you can bring that to God and in prayer break a vow or renounce a vow. Absolutely, we do it often in prayer in our sozo ministry, our inner healing ministry, often praying with prayer to break lies or vows that they've made. But I'm, I'm bringing that to, to, to bring it very personal for all of us that there's good change and bad change. It's not always about changing the world out there. Sometimes it's those, it's those inner decisions that can have major consequences in our lives. And I just want to caution and say, let's not go there. Let us make good decisions. And, and I want to say, you know, in that situation about the lift, bring it to God and rather pray about it than make a vow. Rather pray about it. And I realized that my response at saying, I'm not going to offer the person a lift, was, was, was not the right response. What I should have done is taken responsibility for the fact that I'd overcommitted myself and because of my overcommitment I was I was running late and maybe I should have I should have just I don't know got up earlier and got going earlier who knows the problem was I had dropped the ball but I was I was I was so close to making a bad decision and I'm just saying bad decisions have consequences and I'm I'm just being vulnerable and sharing personal story with you to, to highlight, to highlight how, 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 how personal this is, how significant this is. So let's go on. It says, let's read the serenity prayer again. It says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. The three key words in three aspects of this prayer is serenity, courage and wisdom praying for serenity courage and wisdom and i want to i want to just highlight that i want to first unpack this aspect of serenity it's it's one of those words that i know but i don't often use it so it was one of those words that i want to dig there i want to i want to understand what does this mean but it's a serenity to accept the things i cannot change so let's look at what does this word serenity mean. Firstly, it is the state of being serene, calm, peaceful. And we know peace is the Hebrew word shalom. Tranquil, restful, quiet and untroubled. A lack of anxiety, agitation, fear, disturbance or stress. And I think everybody, if we had to say, hands up, who of you want the first aspect and not the second aspect? I think we'd all say, this is where we want to go. And, and this is the beautiful thing 
about this prayer, when we accept the things that cannot be changed, there's a serenity, there's a peace, there's a shalom, there's a tranquility, a restfulness that comes inside of us that is quite amazing. The Bible speaks about a peace that passes understanding. Folks, when we come in line, this is it. When we come in line with God's will, what we are talking about here is, is stuff where we recognize, Lord, this is your will. When we come in line with this, there is a peace that comes that is quite amazing. And so I think everybody would say, yes, I sign up, sign me up, I want this. And I want to unpack this a little bit more. So here we go, the serenity prayer again. And what I've done here is I've put three numbers in because just to highlight the three different aspects, um, the prayer doesn't have numbers in, but they're three different parts to it and that's what i want to highlight and i'm putting this for one aspect the, the middle part courage to change the things i can you know i think for most of us and for most of our lives this is where we need need most of our this is where most of our effort is this is where most of our input is this is where a lot of our focus is I want to say I've ministered for years to impart courage to people in, to change the things that they can. That is so significant. And, and we need to. But in the last few years, the first part, I want to tell you this has been, this has been where God has, has had me. God grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And... And number three is very important, the wisdom to know the difference. Because I reflect back and there have been times that I have been putting a lot of effort trying to change things and that are in the zone here. I remember one particular something that I tried to do and it didn't work out. It did not work out and I put a lot of effort and it it, it took a lot of virtue from me, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy. And I look back, and I know hindsight is an exact science. And I look back, and I was, I thought that endeavor was in the zone, whereas it was in that zone. If I had maybe taken more time to really pray and seek God for the wisdom that is required, if I had recognized that that endeavor was in this zone. I could have saved myself so much energy and effort and time and resources and finances and whatever. And so just understanding um, whatever endeavors, whatever initiatives, which side, what, what side of it is so significant. And so I want to say, I want to just focus on the first part to, uh, in the rest of this message. And so it's not that we, 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 we don't value that. I think we spend a lot of time in uh, looking at point two and three, but I just want to look at point one a little bit more. The serenity to accept. And, and I just want to highlight this word accept. You know, if you, if you and I've ministered this before, the whole uh, grief loss cycle, the turning point in the, in the grief loss cycle is acceptance. When we accept the reality of whatever loss or whatever um, th 
thing we are grieving, when we come to that place of acceptance, that is the turning point. I'm under no illusions that this journey of coming to the place of serenity because of the things we accept that we cannot change, that this little word accept can be a long journey. It can be an incredibly long journey. I was just thinking about another, something that we went through um, and and I wish I could say that this happened quickly. I, I was reflecting on it and I, and I think I probably took about two years to accept something that I went through. And it was something where I was asking the Lord, Lord, how come? How come this happened? And, and yes, I was asking the Lord. And it was a journey of coming to the place of serenity. Because I was battling to accept what had happened. I was battling. And the Lord ministered to me and understanding his perspective. And that was the thing. Getting a perspective from heaven on what had happened enabled me to accept what had happened. And hence experience the peace, the serenity that, that comes with the acceptance of things that you can't change. And so this is this is this is so significant. So in, in in looking at this and looking at just the the whole reality of accepting accepting things, I, I thought of this scripture, and it's an interesting scripture from Acts twenty six, verse fourteen to fifteen. And it says, I heard a voice saying to me, now this is Paul the Apostle, saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. What are we talking about here? This is where Paul is telling King Agrippa in the book of Acts about his conversion. And remember, Paul, or Saul as he was known before this moment, was, was going to Damascus to go and arrest Christians because he believed they were against God. And here Jesus appears to him. And the words in red is what Jesus said. And I've just highlighted these few words. I've underlined it. Where Jesus said, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. What's Jesus talking about? Kick against the goats. You know, for many years I didn't know what that was. Until a few years I studied it. And, and I discovered it in those days. Um, when you would plow a field, people used to use oxen. And in order to help control and direct the ox that you're plowing with, the, the, the guy who would do the plowing would have an ox goad. An ox goad was simply a stick that had been sharpened on the end. And with a sharp stick, you would prod the ox to direct the ox in the direction. It was known as an ox goad. That was the stick was called, an ox goad. But this is the thing. If the ox was stubborn and it actually kicked back against the stick, it was a painful experience for that ox. The ox would have, would have definitely felt the, the jab of that sharpened stick as that stick would have, would have poked it. And so Jesus is actually referring to a, a very, very common practice in those days. And he's saying, listen, Paul, Saul, by you going around arresting these Christians, 
you are kicking against the goats. You are kicking against my leading, against my will. You are, you are, you are opposed to what I am doing. And we know, we know Paul came and repented and, and was the greatest church planter thereafter promoting preaching the gospel and planting churches, etc. was a major conversion at this moment. But Jesus used this analogy of you are kicking against the goats. And I want to submit to you, when we don't accept things that we cannot change, particularly when we don't accept things that we, we just got to acknowledge, this is God's will. We're literally kicking against the goats. And this is the point, we injure ourselves. We cause injury to ourselves. Now, remember, the greatest injuries we encounter are never physical in the body. It's we injure our heart. I remember, I remember years ago, Jenny actually, my wife, got a prophetic word about that your faith has been punctured. And, and just the picture of, again, I get the picture of like a, something sharp had punctured her faith. Her faith and, and the prophetic word was that your faith has been deflated. And so that was an internal wound. And, and yes, we, she received ministry and was some difficult things that we've been through in our lives. And, and again, it's this picture of being injured on the inside and, and, and coming to accept things we cannot change and encountering the serenity, the peace of God is just my greatest prayer for you. I don't know what those things are. This is, this is a journey with you and God. And I'm so aware that, you know, for two people, they could face a similar situation. And for one, he, they just know that they have got to contend to bring change in the situation. And for the other person, they need to accept that they are not to contend that situation. They've got to, they've got to, they've got to release it to God. And so, and so this picture of kicking against the goats, and my prayers being, Lord, I don't want to. I think back of some futile attempts I've, I've made in my life to try and do things in my own strength. And it's like, Lord, I was kicking against the goats. I got injured in that process. I wasted time and virtue and energy. I, um, my faith got deflated. Uh, what metaphor do, do you want to use? And it's like, Lord, give me the wisdom, Lord, not to do that. I want, to, I want to just highlight another, another thing. And I want to speak to you about limits. And, and if, uh, two years ago, we did the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course by Pete Scazzaro. And Pete talks a lot about limits. A and, and, and I have been so challenged by this. And I want to say, this, this, uh, the accepting things that we cannot change is recognizing that we have limits. In our physical bodies, we have limits. In, in all around us, we have limits. And when we, when we push through God-given limits, I believe we actually sometimes kick against the goads. And I want to, uh, these are just some notes, and I want to honor Pete Scazzaro. This is from his book, Emotionally Healthy Leader. And I just want to go through this. It's so good. Our tendency to blindly seize more and more opportunities for God has destroyed many. We need to embrace the gifts of limits. We find it impossibly difficult to wait, to listen, and to honor our limits. 
It is perhaps one of the greatest and yet most subtle ways we rebel against God. We rebel against God. Yes, when we don't accept God-given limits, we can actually rebel against God. And remember, Paul the Apostle thought he was doing God's will, going to rest these Christians. He was doing the exact opposite. Go on in my notes. Attempting to do more than God intends is a formula for both failure and burnout. Limits touch the core of our relationship with God. Without explanation, God set a clear limit for Adam and Eve in the garden. They were not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.17 They were to trust the goodness of God and his hard to understand ways. It was a limit. And if you actually just look in scripture how often the Lord is, is putting limits. Limits are for our protection, for our, our, our blessing. Limits are there so that we can thrive within the metron, the sphere that God has for us. Paul the Apostle spoke about how he's careful not to encroach on another man's field. We have to embrace God-given limits. Furthermore, Reinhold Niebuhr, who's the same guy who actually wrote the Serenity Prayer, said this. Described, he described the nature of sin as the desire to overcome our limitations. Wow. Pause and contemplate. Going beyond our limits is one of the most significant challenges and temptations we face. It takes maturity to decline a great opportunity. It takes maturity to decline a great opportunity. Limits are a guardrail protecting us from straying outside of God's will and keeping us on his path that will slowly unfold. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. That is what accepting our limits is about. That's what the prayer is about. And, uh, I mean, Pete Scazzaro just shares a story from his personal life in 93, shortly after they started their church in New York. They had this amazing opportunity to do this play. And this play was an outreach play to reach people for Christ. And the whole church got involved. They were involved in acting and backstage and everything. And they ran this play for night after night. I, I forget how many nights, but it they went on and on for, 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 for a couple of nights. I don't know how many. And he basically said there were a number of people that made decisions for Christ. But at the end of when they stopped the production, everybody in their small little church was totally exhausted. They were finished. He said the staff team, they were so exhausted, etc. And they had no capacity to follow up all these people who'd, who'd made decisions for Christ or to disciple them or anything. And Pete, reflecting back years later, he said that was not wise. They should not have, have taken on that endeavor, this great opportunity. They didn't have capacity. They were overstretched. And the net result, the impact on the church was actually was actually quite a negative impact. And again, what do we learn? It takes maturity to decline a great opportunity. Let us embrace our limits. I said I'm going to come back to just highlighting that in all this change, the God part, God, this is a prayer to God. Folks, he's the rock. And I just want to put these scriptures up to highlight. Look at what it says in uh, Psalm 102. In the beginning, 
you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. I've underlined it. They will all wear out like a garment, like, like clothing. You will change them and they will be discarded. But you remain the same and your years will never end. You remain the same. He is our rock. He remains the same. Any aspect of God that you have come to understand that is biblically true, he will never change. That is a rock. I just love it. And this verse that we often use in prayer, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I love it. I love when we pray scripture and we see things Jesus done in scripture. We can take those stories, those testimonies which scripture is, and we can say, Jesus, you did it yesterday, do it again. I love those prayers. And, and I just love the fact that my Jesus doesn't change. Look at this verse. It says in Matthew 24:35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, Jesus saying, my words will never pass away. God's word never passes away. And so when we build our lives on his word, when we place our faith in God's word, that aspect of our lives will endure. That aspect of our life because his word will never pass away. And look at this about the unshakable kingdom in Hebrews 12 verse 28. Since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom. Folks, the world is shaking. There's so much change going around. But we have rights to an unshakable kingdom. We should be extremely thankful. Thank you, Lord. And offer God the purest worship, pure worship, Lord, that delights His heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender. Absolute surrender, filled with awe. Absolute surrender. Because why? We have the right to an unshakable kingdom. Yes, folks, things are changing. Things have changed. But his kingdom doesn't change. I just love it. I want to put something up that um, I heard many years ago. And it's a little poem, and it's called, I Wanted to Change the World. And it's by an unknown monk from the 1100s. And he wrote, When I was a young man, I wanted to change the world. I found it was difficult to change the world, so I tried to change my nation. When I found I couldn't change the nation, I began to focus on my town. I couldn't change the town. And as an older man, I to try to change my family. Now, as an old man, I realize the only thing I can change is myself. And suddenly I realize that if long ago I had changed myself, my family and I could have made an impact on our town. Their impact could have changed the nation, and I could indeed change the world isn't that beautiful isn't it profound folks the truth about change is it always starts on the inside it's a mustard seed jesus said that's what that's what our faith is like mustard seed remember folks 
Small faith in a big God makes big change. It starts on the inside of us. And, and yes, folks, I want to submit to you the greatest change is allowing and inviting Jesus to change us on the inside. And I want to, I want to close with a serenity prayer. And I want to say we've just been praying the first, the first verse of the serenity prayer, but there is a second verse. And I want us actually to pray the second verse as well. And we'll read it. And I want to invite you. I want to invite you. Could you maybe stand with me as we pray this prayer? And, and let's pray it with all our hearts. Let's pray together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. And wisdom to know the difference. Verse 2. Living one day at a time. Enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. God bless you.